sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Okay, good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. It is great to see you out there and be back with you here on this July the 13th, 2020. I am Craig Mish. He is Joe Pizzapia. And we got a lot to cover here on this show. Michael Fabiano is going to join us. We'll hit some fantasy football coming up in a little bit. For those of you who are diving back into the season-long fantasy baseball format, Nick Pollock joins us from Pitcher List as we have plenty to get to in baseball from over the weekend. Lots of news and notes. And it is just following, in, I guess in the NBA, it's following the bouncing ball. But in this case, it is literally, Joe, following the news reports that are going on. <laughs> Who's in camp? Who is not in camp? Who is out? Who is in? And, and normally we're doing this with injury, but in this new world that we're living in, we're doing it with a virus, trying to figure out who we can take. And uh, look, I'm having fun going through it. It's great to be back talking baseball, but wow, I'm like pulling my hair out trying to figure out who's going to be in for this year. Well, luckily, I've already pulled mine out, so we're okay there on that front. So I just want to talk about these guys because talking about them in some fashion feels like we're closer to baseball every day. And I know not all of it's positive. Some of it is, some of it not. But at least we're talking about it as though games are happening and it seems like we're continuing to move that ball forward. And that's very important because the time is ticking and we're getting closer and closer to opening day, quote unquote. And that means baseball last time I checked. And that means sports. And oh my goodness, Greg Bish, I want to pinch myself. But before we get there, let's talk about who's in and who's out today. Yep, there's a lot <laughs> to get to here. Uh, the, the, by the way, there is good news today. And I think for two fantasy players, as you can see here, and it's uh, our second topic here, but Gavin Lux and Starling Marte both back. And we touched on those two last week, wondering if Kike Hernandez would be around or who would replace Starling Marte, at least for the time being. <laughs> You don't have to worry about that, so that is good news for sure. Uh, with the good, there is the bad, and Aroldis Chapman did test positive for COVID-19, mm. and uh, the skipper, Aaron Boone, already were, you know, basically saying that they have a backup plan. Joe and I will have a deeper dive into this coming up in a minute. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has not been in Jay's camp thus far. This is one to circle, because certainly I think a lot of people felt like there was a little bit more that this kid had and could potentially be a superstar uh, in both reality and fantasy. We'll have to hit the pause button on that with 10 days to go. Uh, Aaron Judge day-to-day with uh, a stiff neck, and hopefully for Judge, he is back in the lineup very soon. He was not this weekend. And then uh, finally, we'll uh, we'll have a little bit of an ode to uh, Brian Dozier if this is indeed the end of his career. I'm not sure that it is. It could be a situation where he's just looking at, you know, do I try to play for 60 grand this year with San Diego, or do I just you know, reset for 2021. So we'll get into all those things as well. Uh, but Joe, I, I think the top story is because, look, even though the Yankees may score seven runs a game this year, <laughs> they're going to win a lot more than they lose. Mm-hmm. And if Chapman is not going to be around for a week or two or three, uh, you would have to figure out who their potential closer would be. We do not. It was told yesterday that Zach Britton is the Yankees closer until uh, Chapman comes back. And... I probably would take it a step further in saying that if Britain does a good job, I don't know that he loses the job. Like it's mm. one of those rare situations where I could see them just keeping Britain there and working Chapman back in and maybe Whoa. he becomes the closer in the postseason. Wow. That's that's hot. Ooh, I don't want to call it a hot, hot take. That's hot. I don't that think rolled this Chapman's not getting his job back when he's ready. Zach Britton doesn't give up a run? No. Whoa, wow, look at Craig Miss starting off the That's morning awesome. strong here on Fantasy Sports today. I Look, they have all the bullpens that lose a guy. The Yankees are one that could afford to lose one. And why? Because they have guys like Zach Britton who have closer experience. They've also got out of Vino's got some closing experience, too, who was brilliant last year, too. They have depth here. I mean, you can go and list the names, but you know the names already in the Yankees' bullpen. Uh, the, the thought is we've seen these guys so far, hopefully, that Chapman's one of these guys who bounces back quicker and is back sooner than later. I don't know if I'm where Craig is, that he doesn't get his job back, but, uh, I mean— I feel like Aroldis is getting paid like a closer, and I think they're going to want him to close the games. I'd be surprised if that happened, but not shocked, because like Craig always says, you know, Major League Baseball, right? Bull Durham rule, don't screw with a streak, right? So if Britain's pitching well in that role, you leave him until something happens. But it would be surprising to me that Chapman didn't be that guy. I, I will tell you this, too, looking back on Guriel not being there yet. 
it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle when we talk about the Blue Jays of all the young players. We always talk about Vlad and Bichette and Biggio and all the all the juniors, so to speak, right? All the second generation guys. But we forget about the other junior, which is Lourdes Gurriel Jr., right? Yeah. We forget we forget about that junior quite a bit. And he was a guy that had a stunning run last year. Yeah, I'm not coming at all. Well, and that's what's so fascinating about him is because we still don't know who he is, and we're not going to get more explanation on that this year. We're not going to have a definitive answer because even if he plays well, doesn't play well, I think 2021, either way, he becomes a fascinating asset that has a lot of risk. He could be a very good player. He could be a player that continues to, you know, mystify and be good sometimes and not good at others. You saw that run that he had after he got sent down. He got sent down after not being good at the major league level. Bounce back was very good. Defensive. Yeah, and look, defensively, look. He, can't, he couldn't play the infield. He was having no. the hit. And now he's out they there in the outfield. They him down to play the outfield. He came back. He became a star. So Right, and and I think that's you, – you recognize that. You let him kind of you know settle into that outfield role. And this is another piece in that young Blue Jays team, adding Austin Martin in a couple years. Man, Blue Jays are exciting. they got to get some pitching. they got to figure that out well, sooner than later. Did, but but this is hot, man. I think the Blue Jays, you know, one of these teams in two years from now, we're going to look at and go, wow, you know, we can't wait to watch a Blue Jays game. And they're kind of building it the same way the Cubs and Astros did. Now it's time for them to go out and spend money on pitching next year. Yeah, going back to Zach Britton, as you can see here, uh, last year Britton for the Yankees, 3-1 and with 1.91, 61 strikeouts and 53 innings. He was essentially untouchable in the eighth inning all year long. The year before, he pitched with both the Orioles and the Yankees. It was a little bit surprising that the Yankees got him at the time, and now it uh, certainly does make sense. The reason, Joe, I, I would go a step further in this, it is rare to have your manager basically come out and name another closer. Like, there was just no reason for uh, Aaron Boone to do that. Like, he could have easily said, oh, like, we'll see what happens in a week or two or whatever. But, I mean, clearly it's more serious than, uh, you know, than this guy just being out a, a few days, I think. But I, or or that wouldn't have been said. It, I just it, it caught me by surprise. But uh, I do think that Britain ends up leading the team in saves. And wow. I think that there's a chance that, that Chapman could come back, get his job, and then become, um, you know, the postseason closer for sure. But I would have my concerns there. Uh, in terms of Brian Dozier, Dozier was not really going to be fantasy relevant. But once upon a time, he was. And it's worth mentioning because he's only 33 years old and he still certainly could play. But he was yeah. given his release by the Padres. Uh, I, I thought he was like the fantasy MVP of 2016, especially the second half of the season. He had 42 home runs, 18 steals, 340 OBP. And I remember the following year, can't do it again, did it again, 34 home runs, 16 steals, 359 OBP. A really good second half player for whatever Ugh. reason. That was that's who Dozier was. And I threw this really here in the end for people to understand because if he does not decide to come back, maybe the reason why is because he won the World Series last year with the Washington Nationals. He was in the right spot at the right time. And um, look, he was for three or four years, Joe, a really solid contributor mm-hmm. at second base, a, a considered sleeper at one time. I'm not sure that this is the end. I think that he could decide because again on a minor league contract what is he going to make here you know even if he's a major leaguer a hundred thousand two hundred on a minimum it may be worth it to just reset and come back the following year and with the designated hitter allowed i think that there's still a chance but i thought that he was worth acknowledging because in the last decade he has been a primary second baseman sure. for a lot of people yeah one of the kings of the second half man i mean the three-year window with the twins every second half was just unbelievable he was the guy that if you drafted him you knew you had to just be patient and wait as much of a struggle as it is. And and that's why I didn't like him in head-to-head leagues because I did not want to fall behind. And I was down at a problem. He's a guy that you always want to trade for, not draft. And uh, I don't know if he is done or not. I would imagine he catches on somewhere next year or at least is invited to I think he'll training. get an invitation, yeah. Uh, the only trouble is, you know, I don't know how open teams are to adding salary in 2021 with the looming CBA, as we Well, he all took know. a minimum with San Diego, so. Well, I'm- and I think if he takes a minimum with some other team, he can help somebody. He's still a veteran player. He can play different positions, too. But it's kind of weird because he was traded. I don't want to say at his peak, but he was traded when expectations for him were still pretty high. And then it fizzled with L.A. Yeah, he was hurt with them. Yeah. And he never got it back. Like, it's just never bounced back for him, unfortunately. No, no. And it's and it's kind of crazy. And this was a guy who also could steal some bases. So from a fantasy perspective, this was a really useful player. You know, anybody who get 30 bombs and steal 10 bases, you're like, all right, like, sign me up. And you're going to play second base? Where do I sign? Where can I draft this guy? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's at 33, you said, or 32? 33. 33, I mean, you would think he's got another year or two at least left in the tank. But if he walks away, he walks away for good. I think you could look back at the career of Brian Dozier and say that was a pretty darn good major leaguer. 
Yep, for sure. Uh, just a couple of other quick news and notes. Uh, Brendan McKay has yet to be with the Rays. That's a name that could be really useful for a lot of people, both fantasy and reality. We'll have to keep an eye on if he uh, if he ends up there. That was a report from yesterday. Uh, also, there was a report over the weekend that the Orioles are potentially interested in Yasiel Puig. Uh, look, again, go back to my tweet from February. There's no shortage of people that are that are interested in <laughs> Yasiel Puig. He just doesn't respond to any I of them. I think Little Mish broke off. this. Didn't Little Mish try to break this news last week? With the Red Sox, he said yes. Oh, that would – he's breaking news, your son. I love that. <laughs> look, look Puig, Puig, Puig has a lot of offers and doesn't accept any of them, doesn't call people back. And it, it doesn't surprise me to read this. I mean, the Orioles probably said, here, Puig, we'll give you a million dollars to play with us for three weeks, and we're going to trade you to somebody else to try and get a prospect. That's all this is. There's nothing more to it. Uh, it's amazing, though, that I, in the, I don't in think the he's gonna financial play. world of baseball that a, million, a prospect is worth a million dollars. Like, that's what it's worth. To that's a, all to it a, is, is buying a prospect. But that's literally, I mean, that's, that you, we just literally put it right there. It's buying a prospect for a million dollars. That's what signing Puig is, and that's amazing to think about. He was about. asking for $15 million, and I just don't think that he is going to go down from 15 to hey, 1. Well, I don't know. A million dollars for 60 games is <laughs> pretty reasonable. But he, he could have gotten $10 million from it's a true. couple teams and decided not to. So uh, go back to my tweet from February. I said that he could sign tomorrow or he could not sign at all, and we're still sitting here on the not sign at all. all right. And he just, he's a tough guy to... Hey, Cam hit. Newton signed before Yasiel Puig. I wouldn't have had that. I wouldn't have had that either. I wouldn't have had that, for sure. <laughs> All right, so as the week goes on, as we get closer to the baseball season, we'll continue to update everything happening. So stay tuned with us here. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mish. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Pisa, PS17. We got plenty of baseball to cover, even throughout the show. A little bit later, we're going to dive into two different season win totals, the Seattle Mariners and the St. Louis Cardinals will go through their possibilities for the 2020 season. Uh, but coming up next, it's time for this day in fantasy sports birthdays and also this day in fantasy sports. Also want to remind you that Pat McAfee has now joined us here on Sports Grid, and you can catch his show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Uh, also involved with the FanDuel uh, Sportsbook, our, uh, our partners as well. And, Joe, I think there's a lot of great things happening with here on Sports Grid, and if people go to the website, they can read about it all. Oh, absolutely. You can go there and obviously you can watch everything on demand. And we're now on the Roku device, too. So you can actually just download the network, uh, Samsung TV as well. So we yep. are really rocking and rolling here, man. Look at us. Big time here on Sports Grid. Mission Pisa Pia. That we are. So don't go anywhere. We'll come back with a lot more. We've got this day in fantasy sports history, highlighting some of the MLB All-Star Games, home run derbies. And would you believe we have a birthday today for one of the most exciting players in the last 30 years in the NBA, who really was only a dunker. But he was an exciting one. And we'll have that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Craig and Joe, we're back after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's time for this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays for July the 13th, 2020, as we go back in time. Joe, when we start off a new week, a lot of all-star game appearances, some Wimbledon, I think, will be on deck this week, some PGA championship events. And uh, the second half of the Major League Baseball season is usually where we're at this time of the year. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about how wistful I am for the All-Star game, even though most of the time I do not watch the entire thing. I miss the derby. I like the announcing of the players and everybody lining up. I like the pomp and circumstance and the theater that is the Major League Baseball All-Star game. And maybe just maybe not having it this year, maybe next year in 2021, fingers crossed, we'll appreciate it a little more collectively as baseball fans. Sometimes you got to take something away for you to realize what you've lost. Yep, and uh, one week from now, we will be talking about uh, NFL training camps opening up yeah. in the past. We'll have to see what <laughs> happens uh, next week as well as we get closer. All right, uh, let's start off in 1934. We've got Babe Ruth, the great Bambino, hits home run number 700. To think that Never Babe heard of him. Yeah, he's in, he's one of the, he was the guy on the on the candy bar, baby. Ah, uh, thanks for clearing that up for me, Chief. Appreciate it. Yeah, it, it's crazy to think that he was the all-time home run leader at like 200. 
because you know nobody hit home runs back in the day like that. But uh, certainly 700 is a is a monster number, and to think that uh, Albert Pujols has a shot at that is uh, is pretty remarkable. It's, He's the next man up. It's crazy, dude, when you think about it, and, and when you think of also that you know Babe Ruth in the season was hitting more home runs than whole teams collectively. That's yeah. That you know that perspective never gets lost to me when we talk about Babe Ruth and when people talk about who's the greatest player ever and things like that. When this guy is basically transforming the style of the game, and he pitched as well for a few years and was a pretty good pitcher. He wasn't a bum pitcher. This was a guy who went out there in the 1918 World Series and actually won games in the World Series. Okay, so he wasn't just some oh well, let's just Babe pitch today because we got nobody else. No, 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 he was an important guy in there. I think he was hitting more home runs than entire teams. It just tells you how different the game was back then. Also, the ballparks were really big and cavernous, too. Some of them that he was trying to hit home runs in. So it tells you how big the power was. Now, I don't know if it was also guys were not encouraged to hit home runs. And then Babe Ruth was so good at it, they just said, hey, you know, just go for it. Do you think that has something to do with it, too, where a lot of people are saying, this is not baseball. That's not how you do it. Just because he's doing it doesn't mean that's your game and things like that. There was a, a fear factor when there's a guy who's just dominating in one way and and no one else is hitting home runs in the league. Do you think that, you know, we always talk about copycat leagues and sports and things like that. Do you think there was ever any pressure there for other guys to start doing of that? Of yeah. course. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it changed the game and it made home runs, you know, sort of what they are today. And you think about it, uh, what Babe Ruth did was still an anomaly because there were players that would hit 40 home runs and 50 home runs for sure. But you were always taught as a kid, you know, very level swing, you know, just right. swing it even. And then all of a sudden that changed to more of an uppercut, which is, you know, where we are today. Uh, 1999, you know, the, the last 30 or so years of All-Star Games, we've probably had two that we would remember for good reasons. One, of course, was the final one at Yankee Stadium where they honored the all-time uh, best team of all time. They all went on the field for the end in 2008. The one before that was the last vision that a lot of people have of Ted Williams, who was mm. honored before the game in Fenway Park where everybody went out to the field and he threw out the first pitch. And uh, Pedro Martinez started this game. He struck out five of the first six batters. And I would guess that uh, Joe Fenway Park probably in the next five, 10 years, is going to host an All-Star game again. It's been a while. I hope so. Uh, I actually have a program from that 99 All-Star game. Actually, my cousin got me because uh, she was actually there, and I was nice enough to get me one in that great moment where Ted Williams goes around uh, the field there with everybody, and he asked Mark McGuire, when you foul off a pitch, do you spell burnt wood? You know, all of these questions. It's little weird things. Like, that was on his mind. He wanted to ask Mark McGuire in that moment that question. It was always about hitting for Ted Williams and this performance by Pedro Martinez. I mean, when we go back and look at how dominant certain players were during eras and to think that in an era where the players were enhanced, that Pedro Martinez was going out there and being as dominant as he was from about 1998 to about 2001. You look at those numbers, Ugly seasons, and specifically this 9-9 season, I don't know if, you know, this is Koufax in our generation. Like, <laughs> is that moment. And I love Pedro, and I think sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for how good he was, believe it or not. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I think that that will be recognized even more so as time goes on, for sure. Uh, 2009, we skip ahead 10 years to another All-Star game. Prince Fielder wins the Home Run Derby in St. Louis. So a really good moment for uh, Prince Fielder. And um, and certainly his career didn't last much longer than this, but he was a big guy at the time and was arguably one of the top three home run hitters in the game. 2013, Tim Lincecum of the San Francisco Giants throws a no hitter where the opponent was was like rooting him on. It was a wild scene in San Diego at Petco Park. Uh, Lincecum was just a popular player in his time, Joe, and, and certainly when he was on, he was one of the top pitchers in baseball for about a four or five year period. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And I, I was very lucky. I was actually on air live at Sirius XM doing a show while this was going on, giving people the pitch by pitch, blow by blow. We had it up in the studio. We were watching the game as it was happening. And it was an amazing thing to watch. And you saw the pitch count go so high. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going, oh, my goodness, this is not a good combination of things right now for poor little Timmy. Like, this is bad, but we want him to get it. And he did. And I kind of lost my mind there live on air when he did. It was really exciting. I, you know, I will never be a play by play guy. Maybe never say never. But that was like my one moment where I was able to almost live that vicariously and do that on the radio, which I think is really the greatest art form of broadcasting. Someone who's great doing the radio baseball games. There's nothing better than someone who's really great, like a Howie Rose or a Bob Murphy, guys like that, who are just so good at that and painting the pictures in your mind. 
and I had that little glimmer of one moment of greatness that I got it. It was always for Tim Lincecum's no hitter. So I always look back fondly on that one. Unfortunately, you know, for Tim Lincecum, there weren't too many good moments after that. But man, that was definitely the crown jewel in a pretty good career. It was. He was a really good pitcher for a long time. Yeah. All right, 2019. Uh, this is last year. Simona Halep, major upset at Wimbledon last year. It, it seems so long ago. It was one year ago. Serena comes back as a great run, um, you know, toward the Wimbledon title but does not win. Simona Halep ends up uh, pulling off the massive upset there. And uh, now let's go to this day in fantasy sports birthdays for July the 13th. Last week we had Leon Spinks. This week we have Michael Spinks, born in 1956. 1963, one of the great slam dunk contest winners of all time, and certainly will be known for this above all else, Spud Webb, who won the uh, slam dunk contest. 1982, Shinsu Chu, who has had a phenomenal career, I would say, with the Cleveland mm-hmm. Indians and Texas Rangers, and we'll be interested to see what he ends up doing after this year. 1982, one of the most underrated players uh, in baseball, and when you always talk about baseball, you ask who are Hall of Famers that are playing right now. No one ever mentions Yadier Molina, but believe me, he's on that list. Oh, I do. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> yeah, people forget about him. And then 1997, I wanted to differentiate here because the first-round pick defensive end out of Kentucky, Josh Allen, who was taken by the Jaguars last year, not the quarterback for Buffalo. This is the defensive end from Kentucky, was born in 1997. And that is who is on our birthdays for today. Yeah, well, look, Yadier Molina is absolutely a Hall of Famer. I mean... Once again, it's not all about home run totals, boys and girls. I mean, can we talk about a baseball player? Can we talk about how important he was as a catcher to these rotations, these playoff runs, these World Series championships, these moments? And look, this was a guy, too, that started out as kind of the lesser of the Molinas. If people forget, you know, Benji was out there and and, and Molinas eventually like for Yadier, you know, the, the power came a little later. The average came a little later, but it did come. And he did eventually turn himself into a very good offensive player. He didn't have the same kind of peak as the Mike Piazzas and Javi Lopez, but we could talk about that and the enhancements there at a different time. But Yadier Molina overall, I mean, I don't know about first ballot Hall of Famer. I know that's kind of reserved for the the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world and the Derek Jeters of the world. But if he's on a ballot, I'm voting for Yadier Molina, Craig, are you? Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, nine All-Stars, eight gold gloves. Uh, do, do the offensive stats even matter when you have that coming behind you? You know what? And- I say no, but you know what? This is the problem with our, our point of view of the home run. We are so home run, just, you know, over the moon about the home run totals, and that's why we look at an offensive player. But that's that's not all a baseball player is, too. You play the field for nine innings. This guy's calling games. This guy is one of the best pitch framers ever. This guy is great arm. This guy you know, the, the game inside the game and all that matters. And like, if he gets to be a first ballot hall of famer, I'm, I'm all for that. Wouldn't you yeah, be I like, think I, there's a, I think there's a chance that he will, he's closing in on 2000 hits. There's only a handful of catchers who have ever done that. Um, the lifetime batting average is pretty high, 282, 333 on base. So yeah, I mean, his offensive numbers don't compare to uh, Johnny Bench or Pudge Rodriguez. Or even and, Gary Carter or someone right, like but, that. But the defensive stats are, are stacked right up there. And, and yeah, the first few years of his career, I don't know that anybody expected anything. He didn't win a gold glove until his fifth year in baseball. And then all of a sudden became uh, this guy who is basically, I think, arguably still one of the best defensive catchers in the game. My guess is for Molina at this point, he's got a choice, which is do I hang on? and, you know, play two days a week for the next five years with the Cardinals. I I don't Mm. know if he's going to do that or not. This guy has so much money that it doesn't matter. He definitely has that Hall of Fame backing from one club in St. Louis. I mean, there's a guy 16 years with the same team. You're never going to see that again. So it's his choice, I think. He could retire at the end of this year, or I probably think he'll play one more year after this. Well, they don't have his replacement anymore because Carson Kelly's gone in that trade. Uh, Neither, I think they like. I think. Do you think he's ready to take the reins this or another year? year. I think they would feel that way. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So if if that was the case, it'd be it's certainly up to him. He has said that he does not want to be a backup. So that that but look, guys changed their mind, and if he wanted to be a two day a week, three day a week player for the next five years Mm -hmm. and compile some more stats and end up with twenty three hundred lifetime hits, he could. But I don't know. I, I I think that in this day and age with the amount of wear and tear he has on him. And look, make no mistake about it. This guy cashed in on a massive contract before they sure. uh, tried to sign Pujols. They signed uh, Molina. 
And he's and you know what? It turned out to be the better too. investment. Like who would have thought that, right? At the time, uh, but I yeah, think Yadier no, Molina. Nobody would have thought that. Yeah. How important has Yadier been to this Cardinals team continuing to be good over the last five, six years? And and again, taking these young pitchers and molding them. And we've seen so many, you know, go back and forth over the years through that organization. And right. you know, and he's been able to be there for all of them. I think part of the development of Jack Flaherty in the second half last year, you have to attribute <laughs> a right. certain amount of that to and, Yadier. And, Molina. and look, if you had to guess, and I said that Yadier Molina made uh, 40, 40 million dollars over the course of his career, you would say that's a lot, right? I would say that's a lot, but I would say that's not absurd. He's made $154 million. Good for Yachty. <laughs> and you know what? If I'm Yachty, I am riding off into the sunset on that. I have, million. I am not putting that gear on in 105-degree weather in St. Louis. No way. I'm, I think, I'm riding I, off I think the you sunset. should call it, but, you know, who, who am I it's, to say? It's tough to take the game away from some folks. We all know listen, that. They don't it, Adam Wainwright keeps pitching. Well, as long as Yachty's there, why wouldn't he, right? It's like that, that tandem keeps going. It's All right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick timeout on fantasy sports today. We've got FanDuel's odds to win the home run champion title in 2020 coming up next. That is here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, also at SportsGrid Radio. We have 24-hour radio broadcasting going on right now every day, very early in the morning, uh, Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel, of course, Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast, Gabe Morency. We have a radio side, a TV side, and we combine them both. We're your full service for gambling, for fantasy sports, and for entertainment. And we'll be back with more of that right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. And welcome back. Check out the FanDuel Sportsbook with the baseball season starting a week from Thursday. You can get down on all of the action, including some futures bets, season win totals. And for today's show, we're going to take our first dive into the 60-game 2020 Major League Baseball home run champion. Now, if history is telling us anything over the last few years, there's probably going to be a name that isn't going to be uttered out of my mouth or Joe's mouth that is going to win the home run championship because this has been really unpredictable. Last year in particular, uh, nobody had Pete Alonso hitting that many home runs. Nobody had Jordan Alvarez hitting that many home runs. Nobody had Jorge Soler hitting that many home runs. So... If you combine that sort of variance and the fact that someone could get hot in the first month and hit 17 home runs that we don't even know about, this is probably one of those bets that you may want to just take a shot because you got a you got a chance here. And by the way, it could be any, but maybe it's somebody not even on their uh, on their odds list too. It could, I really think that this is a wild one here. Oh, it's always a wild wild west when it comes to home runs, but it is a shortened season, so. There's a part of me that wonders, you know, are we going to get somebody who's a little bit more on the chalky, well-known side of things because it's a limited amount of time over a long season? Sure, you know, certain guys emerge and can get hot and stay hot. But, you know, sometimes you're looking at these elite players in these smaller stretches, and everybody knows how important these stretches are, too. I think that's magnified right now. I want to play a game with you, Craig Mish, if I may. I want to ask you what you think the number is going to be of the home run champion. Do you think yeah, we're going to get above 20? Next week, so, um... Well, well, I'm like, let's play a game. Will it be 19? Higher oh, or lower? It will be over that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Will it be 21? I would set a number around 22 and a half. Okay. Because 22 and a half is, is, you know, a pretty good number. And just for perspective, in 2018, in August and September, Christian Yelich hit 22 home runs between those two months. So that is a guy right off the bat that you know is capable of that. And we know there's some guys who are just capable of big-time runs. What's so fascinating about this, though, is – you know, we're basically also throwing out the notion of the players who have really good first halves or good second halves and things like that. So we don't know, like, are people slow starters or are they just guys who play better in the warm weather or whatever that is? This whole season starting when it's starting, basically in the middle of the summertime, is a complete and utter unknown. And I think it's fascinating because 
any of the other things you could possibly look at in guys' track records, you have to throw out the window. I mean, outside of the fact that can a guy do it? Yes, a guy can hit 20 home runs in two months. We've seen that happen before. And we've seen it happen the last couple of years, too. Josh Bell practically did it you know, last year. So it's not impossible. So I think that 22 and a half sounds like a good number to me. Yeah, I, I my advice on this is, is we don't we don't see the same way on this. My advice on this is I absolutely would go to the FanDuel Sportsbook and take five or ten dollars, find the longest odds you can find and spread them around. And take a shot. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think that's a yeah, bad idea. I, I don't. I don't think Chalk is going to win this. I, I don't. I don't think so. Look, um, I mean, Lewis Robert could end up winning the home run championship. I mean, if, if this home was a home run, run, this a home run championship for for a month, you would have had Austin Riley winning one. You would have had Aquino winning one. And, and you're, again, you're right. And that's why I just think that this year is is not an indication as to what baseball really is. It's going to be fun. We're, it's glad. I'm glad we're going to have baseball back. But for odds like this, you know, I, I would be if I was the book, I'd be a lot more careful of, of throwing out 40s and 50s because I think that there's a shot. But let's take a look at that chalk. And, yeah. and I wouldn't bet any of these. Uh, Pete Alonzo <laughs> is 10 to one. Joey Gallo, 11 to one. And we know, obviously, he's got some uh, covid situation going on right now. I think he may be back, though. Mike Trout, 11 to one. Uh, Stanton, 14 to one. Christian Yelich, 17 to one. And then Alvarez is 17 to one. Alvarez got a late start to camp, obviously with COVID issues, uh, with the way the judge's health is. Maybe he's the DH that forces Stanton to play the field. I don't love that. That's for sure. And uh, you know, clearly any of these guys could easily win. But for me, uh, Joe, again, while these names are great and they look very obvious, I probably would not take any chalk here. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, I can understand that. Uh, the Gallo one starting the season in question. Uh, I guess, but it's it's funny because these positive tests that are popping up, we're sort of freaking out about, and then we go, we take a deep breath, and a couple of days later, all of a sudden they're testing negative. And some then of them. Second, some some of, of them. them, yeah, and that's that's kind of a, a fascinating new phenomenon where maybe we just don't know like how, how what this timetable is, which is even scarier. You know, it's one thing when you know it, you can actually plan for it, but a, a player could only miss a short period of time apparently. So um, I would say of all of these guys. It's Christian Yelich for me that I think has the best shot because I, I just think that Miller Park is a really home run friendly ballpark, number one. Number two, I think they did a really good job here of surrounding him with some more bats. Um, I like the additions that they made. Avisel Garcia coming in too. I think Keston Hura, you know, taking another step forward is nice to see. But also getting Ryan Braun's bat in this lineup on a more regular basis as well with the DH. All of a sudden, there's a lot more line of protection for Yelich. And I think all those things kind of pop in there. So I. I really like Christian Yelich as the chalk. I think it can make a really good case for Stanton, too, if he's healthy. I mean, you know, it's not like Stanton can't go every massive runs. That's the thing. It's like if you're going to throw something on the chalk, you want to throw it on somebody that you at least have a legitimate knowledge. This guy can have a two months that he could hit 30 home runs. I mean, it sounds absurd, but he could do it. It's anything's possible with these kind of guys. So because of the ballpark factor, because it's Stanton, does Stanton even come close to you, even a consideration to 10 to 1 no. or no? No, no, no. Well, Just I, not I enough skin so. in the game, huh? Um, no, not really. Uh, your favorites are Bellinger 17 to 1 as we're looking at it here. Yelich 17 to 1 as well. And, um, and Nelson Cruz at 30 to 1. So. Yeah, well, I like Nelson Cruz on this list, man, because this is another guy doesn't have to play the field. Guy's in phenomenal shape, which, you know, sometimes we all laugh about. He's in the best shape of his life. Well, Nelson Cruz is, man. I don't know if you've seen that guy lately, but that dude looks like he's 26 years old. Like he showed up at camp, I remember, in the springtime and I saw him. and I went, oh, my God, look at this guy. It's unbelievable at his age what kind of shape he's in physically. He looks strong. He looks focused. Fantastic lineup. Another guy and Josh Donaldson now added to it. Rosario still there. I mean, they are absolutely loaded in Minnesota. And I just feel like, you know, for him, like he he knows exactly the hitter he is. He knows exactly the environment he's in. He's proven there already. And he's going to see a ton of fastball. So I don't see why Nelson Cruz can't make a run of 30 to 1. But is that not even enough for you? Yeah, no, I think that's along the lines. Of, okay. Of All a, right. Of a deeper shot at it. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean... Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the COVID stuff aside, which is, you know, completely unpredictable. That's why I just wouldn't put any money on anything COVID related because. Well, Gallo, I, I, before COVID, I would have I would have been looking at Gallo. Wouldn't yeah, you? I mean, now I wouldn't. And again, the guy could have a, a negative positive test, meaning like a, a, a wrong test. Right. Which he's already had and then misses three games and then it's over. You know, so it's 
that's part of it. Look, I, I, I have two. I don't have three. I have two. I, I liked Suarez a lot at the beginning of the season. That was the one offensive uh, financial bet that I wanted to make. I wanted to bet his over on his home runs for 2020, and then he got hurt. So, look, it's a little bit dicey because I'm not exactly sure how healthy he is. It has been four months, so... I mean, he's he's at the camp and he's hitting at the camp. And I saw him in an inner squad game, so I'm assuming that everything is fine. But again, a ten dollar bet, a twenty two to one, a fifty dollar bet, twenty two to one, a hundred dollar bet to win two grand. Like, I mean, those are the those are the kind of things that entice me here. And then the other one is Matt Olson. Mm-hmm. Olson hit thirty six last year and he missed thirty games. So he you was on my list too originally. Yeah, yeah you could look <laughs> at it two ways. He missed thirty six games. Maybe he's injury prone and this is a bad bet. Or you could look at it. He was if it was a freakish thing. He missed thirty six games, and if he played all those games, he's the American League home run winner. So I have Olson stamp, there. Yeah, I have Olson there. He is uh, he's getting games at Coors. I checked mm-hmm. that out beforehand. That's rare. Uh, for, for the American League to get uh, games at cores like this. And there's a DH, so he is definitely playing in those games. That gives him a little bit of a boost. Um, I went back and looked at a lot of the cores games, including Bellinger. They only have one series there. So I, I don't I don't think that there's anything overwhelming that put me there. But then when I noticed Oakland, I went back and looked and said, oh, okay, well, here's a potential guy that if he hits two or three extra home runs could end up winning it. So... Those are the ones for me, Joe. Twenty-two to one on yeah. Suarez, Olson at twenty-five to one, and again, it, it is it is fair to play the other the negative side of it if you wanted to by saying, well, look, Olson gets hurt, and and that's that goes against him in two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely fair. I would ask, what if? What if the guy did play right. one fifty last year? He yeah. would he would he would have led the American League home runs. So it's a great question. It, it, it's a it, look. Uh, I'm a big Matt Olson fan. I was laughing when people dropped him in leagues at the beginning of the year. Someone dropped him in TGFBI, which I I thought was absurd in my league, and I spent as much fab as I could, and somebody spent even more than I did to get him. I thought it was crazy short sighted to drop a guy with that kind of talent just because he was going to miss a month of the season. It's just it's absolutely nuts. But Someone does, and people do. They overreact sometimes to these situations. Really? Also was number four on my list, and his teammate was number five, because you want to talk about guys nobody's talking about. He's also got the same schedule as Matt Olson. He's also got more 40 home run seasons than him, and his name is Chris Davis. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. What What is the uh, number on Chris Davis? I'm not sure if I remember it off the top of my it's, head. It's, but in the tw- it's in the 20s also. Is it the 20s also? Okay, I thought it was even past that potentially. So. Maybe. Uh, you know, I'm not. I don't. I don't have it in front of me. That's okay. I thought you might have had it up there at the time. But this yeah, was another he, guy he when is, I was looking at him. I thought, ooh, Chris Davis. Yeah, I'm, there's I'm another guy nobody's there. talking about. I, I'm, I'm concerned with him. I'm not really? sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure that we'll see again what we saw. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Well, here's. Last. Well, he was. He ran into. He says he ran into that wall. He was. Ne- he. He. He had a back injury off of that, and he had a couple other things that were just repercussions of the back injury. But he played through it. If he's healthy. He had three seasons where he was brilliant. I'm aware. I'm aware. Power. I don't. I don't want to write him off after one down. I'm year. not writing like him off, right. but I'm not going to look back on it. I'm going to look ahead, and I'm going to okay. wonder if we've seen his best. That's that would be my question. I don't know. Maybe That's I, fair, I, I but think there's a chance of that. Here, here's the other fun thing too. That normally this would be a negative in a sense, but because there's DH playing in Colorado this year, Chris Davis is going to play in Colorado too. Yeah, nice. and so will Chapman and so will Simeon. They all could hit 30 home runs. But Absolutely. Gotta, I'm picking one and I'm picking one. No, but I'm talking about like, here's the guy that's already hit 40, but normally we would look in the shortened season and we'd say, oh, well, he's going to go play in the National League for a couple games or he's going to miss yeah, some games no, because of the DH. Now that's not going to be the case. So all of a sudden, Chris Davis, I think, is very appealing and probably a little bit off the beaten path because people will not pay attention after the down year to the three really good years before that. Nope, no doubt about that. All right, what we'll do is take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports Today. Michael Fabiano is going to join us a little bit later to talk some fantasy football. And if you didn't get enough fantasy baseball here on the show, don't worry. Nick Pollock is going to join us from Pitcher List. We're going to go over three uh, potential pitchers that you could be looking at if you're doing a draft next week. And if not, just an interesting conversation as well. But coming up next here on the show, a lot of money sold on a video game and not one of those big video games that we used to play in the 80s an actual cartridge how much did it go for well the most in history and then we'll also review the top selling video games in history so that's coming up next here on fantasy sports today don't go away
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to our Monday edition of the show. Great to be with you guys here on SportsGrid. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Go to SportsGrid.com. You can see all of our uh, programming that is coming up rest of the day. We got Pat McAfee now on board, along with the FanDuel Sportsbook. Of course, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell goes coast to coast. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. Uh, Over the weekend, look, there's a lot of sports going on, but then some other things end up catching my eye. And in one of the bigger auctions that happened over the weekend, Joe. Um, Boy, like, I mean, I had a copy of this game, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Now, when most people bought Super Mario Brothers, I guess, in the store, they were made on what's called hanger boxes. So they would hang and they would have a little piece of plastic. Look, I I don't know the rules with this, with game, with everything else, maybe I do, but with gaming, I don't really know the rules. Okay. But apparently it has something to do with this was not a hanger box. This is actually a sealed copy that didn't have that plastic on it. And for some reason... This is super rare, which is fine, cool, and worth a lot of money. Now, how much money? Oh, yeah, 5000 10000 No. Uh, this Super Mario game sold over the weekend in auction for over $114,000. And so it begs the question. You can't play the game because it's sealed. You're not going to open the game because it's sealed. You have to be a real... And it was an unknown person who bought it, by the way. They wanted to be anonymous. But I'm not, <laughs> I don't blame them. I, <laughs> I want to be anonymous if I spent that much I mean, money on a sealed I mean, Mario maybe, Brothers. Maybe a Michael Jordan rookie card or LeBron or, you know, something like that. And, and I guess that having a copy of anything that's one of one is very exclusive. I mean, there's Zion Williamson card selling for like $100,000 and this dude's what? like 20 games. Yeah, it's like crazy. Um, and, and so people want exclusive. They want to be the only one that has this. And in this case, this game from 40 years ago sold for over a hundred grand. And I uh, love the game, no doubt about it. But uh, this is—it's remarkable to me that that well, it can hit this kind of number. Because remember how many yeah. copies of this went. Well, out. yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering too. So I guess it's just the fact it was an unopened copy that wasn't the hanger box and all these other things that kind of go into it. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. And, and you know, it's a long time ago. I thought Duck Hunt was part of the Super Mario cartridge. Wasn't it a split cartridge, or did that come later it, on? It, it was, and so I suppose that that adds to the allure of it. Where, why would anybody buy this if it came with the game? So yeah, this was, well, this was well, that's just, why I asked because this was, was just, just this Mario. Too. So yeah, that, so like. That that that's interesting too because I um you know when they sold the system you got Mario slash Duck Hunt the one cartridge that's right. so I'm guessing this is a standalone Mario yeah. yes. standalone no hanger clip none of these things going on here um, is fascinating to me what people will spend money on but look you know one person's Super Mario is another person's Mario Andretti like everybody has different things that sure. they like that they want to spend money on that they think is very useful to them and uh, or you know brings them back to a certain amount of time it is staggering how much money a video game cartridge just to have it in a collection but people are crazy for some of these collection things man it's it's absolutely nuts to me um the mario game i spent uh, more hours as a child playing than i would like to admit i'm sure you did as well Absolutely. uh you keep looking for that princess she's always in another castle no matter how hard you look you always think one of these days she's going to be there and it's good it kind of sets you up later on for the disappointments of dating you know, you think your princess is there, she's not, you know, it turns out she's not a castle with some big giant dude that you're gonna have to fight. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to really get through. Uh, but I would say overall, I uh, I enjoyed my time. I prefer the Mario 3 of all the yes, Marios. Yes, I agree, that was the best one. Mm-hmm. Which I can play now on the Switch, which is fun because they have the old Nintendo games. So that's a good time. My kids have gotten into that one. I like when Mario gets the little raccoon tail and can fly around. I'm a yeah, big two, two was a little wonky. I don't know, it was weird. Was Two was like, very weird. He had to pick up those guys and throw them and dig through yeah, sand. And I, stuff. I, we, what happened was they re-released Nintendo a few years ago, so we went back and had those and played them. Oh yeah, I remember that. And, I, and we found ourselves playing one and three quite a bit. There were actually more than that. There was like a four and a five. They weren't good at all. You know what's a good time on the uh, on the Switch Two is the Mario Maker which is fun too, where you can basically, it's all these different levels, but then you can also make your own things, which is cute. Okay. So the, and uh, the Mario worlds and all that stuff. That's uh, that's some fun stuff in there, but $114,000. That's a, that's a lot of money. 
Yeah. It's a lot of coin, my friend. It, it is. And again, for a game that everybody had, which is... You know, you used to have to blow into the cartridges. For that kind of money, it might have to be going the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, st- I'll I'll let you go. All right. Um, <laughs> where do we go with that for 100 Good morning, everybody. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay, so I thought it would be a good time to discuss this. Now, Super Mario Brothers is the sixth highest selling game of all time, even as a standalone. So uh, people still bought it on different gaming systems for whatever reason. It did not make the all-time five list. And this is where it's pretty sad that when we go through this list that I haven't played these games, or almost any of them. Uh, so, he, so here it is. Uh, Tetris is not a shock. I you'd have to go back to the decade, right? You'd have to say, like, what are the greatest selling games of the 80s and the 90s, and then we would have right. more. Right, and I didn't go that far because we have limited time. That's and I don't want And I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so number one is Tetris. We've all played that. So thank goodness. And I haven't played any of the other games that you see here. So Minecraft is number two. My son has dabbled in that a little bit. I know that there's a lot of YouTubers that play it and they play live, and you get a chance to see them play and sort of understand how things work. This happens for a lot of the games, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, I'm aware of its popularity, but apparently Grand Theft Auto Five, for whatever reason, is the third highest-selling video game of all time. Mm-hmm. Wii Sports, when it first came out, was tremendous all over the place. Yeah, Big like I, the- I, I, pl- I actually saw my kids playing that, like tennis and different games. I never got into it, but they played it. Yeah, and my then, kids play it still. Like they like every now and then you fire up the Wii. Uh, yeah. We were actually playing Rock Band last week, so like they were like, "Hey, can we play Rock yeah, Band?" They was, got the that, I'm surprised that's not on here, honestly. You yeah. know, well, because Rock Band was expensive because you had to get all, you had to buy all the other pieces. Like that's that's what's difficult about some of these things. Like you have the system, you have the games, but then the pieces that had to come, the guitar and the right. you know got to buy the like you know the drum kit and the microphone and the other things that came with it. That's an expensive little piece there, but I'm a big fan of the Rock Band for sure. Yeah. And then five is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and I've never heard of this game. Uh, Brett Levy, our producer, says that Player? it's the most recently released game of all of them, and so I, I could not tell you a lick about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I I have not heard of that. I remember the Star Wars Battlegrounds games, and those were sure. lit. I loved those. Those were so much fun. Um, the Grand Theft Auto Three. I played a lot. That's one of those games that I actually played and beat and then played again. Metal Gear uh, Solid was the game that I ever played the most, beat, played it again, played it because I just loved the game. It was so cool. You just felt like it was just like this dark G.I. Joe kind of thing. And every time you played it, what happened was then it would give you the sneaker suit and you could like sneak around and no one could see you. They would give you different things. And they were little, you know, there's always little, little Easter eggs, and little gadgets in the game that you, when you played through a second time or a third time, it's fun. But Grand Theft Auto 3, I never played 5, but 3, I played quite a bit. And I played it so much, I remember one day, I was living in Philadelphia at the time and was playing like a few hours. And, you know, I had to like go and I had a show that night. And I uh, I got on the bus and I remember going, I, I could steal this bus. I could steal this bus right now. I know I can because I because I've just, you know, and, and you go, oh, my God, this is this. I got to stop. I got to I got to I got to calm down, take a break from this game. I'm surprised there's not one sports game on here. But again, no. maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Like, you know, no Madden's. I wonder which version of Madden is the greatest selling one. I kind of wonder with that, I guess, you know, the playing field for Madden's the same. I guess that's not probably appealing well, to the, the last 10 years. Spectrum. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. But the Tetris was always kind of I feel like you play Tetris for like 20 minutes and you go, all right. Like that's, I mean, oh, I, I, re- I remember playing that for hours when I was a kid. Were you in hours? Yeah. See, I never got into Tetris for hours. Like I had a 20 for, minute limit. I would say like, probably for a year I played a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Minecraft is fascinating because I see the kids playing the Minecraft and you see the, the little, specifically mostly the little boys obsessed with the Minecraft. And then there's the other one, which is the Roblox, I believe it's called. Yeah. I sound very old here. Now your yeah. son plays the Roblox, you said, not he, the Minecraft. He really, he really likes it, but yeah, we don't, um. What, what do you do in the Roblox? You, you, you hit trees and you make stuff and do things like that, yeah, too? Yeah, it's like it's a group, a community, and, you know, you're trading things and all that. And, I mean, there's too much, like, for me, it's like when I have to start worrying about parental controls and people talking back and forth to the kids, I'm like, ah. This is- yeah, see, that, I'm not a big fan of that either. Like, you know, online gaming is cool for, like, the, the teenagers and the young adults and I guess, uh, you know, real adults who have time to actually get online with their friends and play. And usually, I guess they don't have kids if you have that right. kind of time. Uh, but I, I don't like that either. You know, like, I'm, you know, you play your video games at home like we did. Or here's a novel idea. You have your friends come over and play together, which the kids yeah, in my neighborhood right do. But yeah, it's a good, good idea. No, but the kids in my neighborhood, they, they'll do that. They actually play. Look, 
that's probably a saving grace. They'll, they would, they'll do that right now is not something we can do. That's not, not Florida. No, no, that is for sure. Not a, not a good scene down there right now. Yeah. But. The, the game, the only game that post like the eighties and nineties that I ever played very intensely was medal of honor. That was the only game that I played. Mm. I would, I would say I, I got really heavy into it in playing the one-on-one games or the one-on-five games where you would all go into this, like battle i remember that yeah and it it, it, it would just suck up hours of my day because yeah. i remember like there were some times where i'd run around and and try and shoot people and then there were other times i just wanted to go into the sniper tower and just sit for like hours and wait there for was people. a couple good sniper games on ps2 back in the day yeah i, I, I and i realized this not for me like this is just a big waste of time and, <laughs> and i remember my buddies were playing it so i thought all right i'll give it a shot i mean this probably goes back 15 20 years yeah. And then I remember uh, getting engaged and getting married and my wife going, what are you doing? Like, it's, 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 you know what? This is probably a good time. Yeah, to... I never really played Halo or any of that either. Like, I, I was kind of out of video games then. I've come back to them recently through quarantine, ironically. Yeah, just I mean, yeah, everybody's had you need something to do. But, um, you know, uh, we obsessed in college about NHL 2000. Uh, we played oh, NHL yeah, we played 2000. That. Because you could make your own teams and then make your own people in your own teams, which were hysterical. We also were big wrestling guys, obviously, in college. So also we had, um, you know, we had our own wrestlers. We had our own guys. We would have these massive, you know, fights and things like that. We then made the faculty at our college and we had them fight and things like that. Some funny things like that. And this is what you do in college. You do jackass stupid things to entertain yourself with your friends. And yeah, you drink beer and eat pizza and have a good time. That's what college is all about. Uh, But NHL 2000. Uh, triple play 99. I don't know if you remember that baseball game. I remember all of those. Yeah. Ooh, triple play 99 was a really good baseball game. Now the EA sports baseball games were perfection. Like before you get to MLB the show, that was it. Uh, as far as like the PS and you know, PlayStation changed everything for me. Like I like PlayStation. I know some people like the Xbox. I got an Xbox one time for, I think my 30th birthday, a bunch of my friends got me one. I hated it. I hated the Xbox. I found it difficult to hold the controller. I didn't like the whole thing. Nothing. So I traded it in, got a Wii, and then the kids played the Wii and all these other things and stuff like that. So, no. Don't want the Xbox. But what about you? Do you have a gamer uh, box of preference? Were you an Xbox guy, a PlayStation no. guy? Yeah, and I was the old PlayStation guy with the discs. That's what I had. Yeah, in television. Do you remember in television where you had the the? Uh, yes. It was like a remote I never control. had it, but I'm very well aware of it. Atari was first for me. See, uh, my friends had Atari, but I had another friend that had in television, which was hysterical because it looked like a it looked like a remote control for a TV. Yeah, I and mean, Commodore 64 was a big deal for me too. That was a had it as well. Yeah. Had it as well. Look at us, we're so old. <laughs> All right, uh, well, so we're so old that we got to take a quick time out uh, and take a break. <gasps> we're so tired. No, it's good. All right, we got a great hour coming up next for you. Michael Fabiano is going to join us as well as Nick Pollock from Pitcher List. We get all into that next on Fantasy Sports Today, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 